Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by guest pastor Linnell Miller. If you'd like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. And I'm going to speak this morning about set in because it ain't over yet. Sometimes we just have to stay the course. Sometimes we just have to hold on. Sometimes we just have to keep doing good and keep doing what we know to do because the promise hasn't been fulfilled. The healing hasn't come because we don't know when things are going to change. And we just have to set in. And that is the message that God's given for you this morning. So Lamentations 3.18, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles or just look on the screen, that's easy. (laughs) Jeremiah said, I cry out, everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. I want to ask you, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like everything you had hoped for from the Lord was lost? Verse 19 says, the thought of my suffering, my homelessness, he uses words like bitter, Awful, grief, loss. Have you ever felt like that was your only vocabulary? Like everywhere you look, it was loss. Everywhere you look, and every thought and feeling you had was of grief. This is what he says. This is where he was at. Verse 21 says, yet. Everyone say, yet. Yet I still dare to hope. How can he be homeless? How can he have lost everything? How can he be grieving? How can he be hurting and be afraid? And yet he still dares to hope. This is the reason, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. I say to the Lord, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. If you know the story in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah had lost his home, he'd lost his family. He had lost everything, his country. He was, he was taken captive into a foreign land. Jeremiah was at the bottom of the bottom. Maybe some of us have been that low. Some of us maybe a little higher, but we felt like we had lost everything. And he still said, I dare to hope. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast. Cling tightly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God can be trusted to keep his promises. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've had a death in your family. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a serious illness. Maybe you've gone through a bankruptcy or a business failure. Or you tried to step out in ministry and it failed. Maybe you've been accused of something, and you're, I felt that, it might, in a sense, there was someone here that's been accused of something. You were facing something, whether it was in court or just at work, false accusations. You're thinking, I'm about to lose everything. What am I going to do? Let me tell you how you know when you've lost hope. You stop praying. Have you ever stopped praying about something? It means you've lost hope. You get angry. 
You don't want anyone else talking about it or praying about it. You, you, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm fine. You pretend like you're just fine and you don't need anything. You laugh like Sarah did at even the thought that circumstances are going to change. You say to yourself, that will never happen. Or maybe you're jealous of someone else that has what you don't have and what you've been hoping for. You know, there was a Shunammite woman in the Bible, and I think it was Elisha. It could be Elijah. I'll just kind of say it, Elijah, you know. <laughs> that way you won't know that I don't know which one. But a Shunammite woman who was barren was married to an old man, but she was a good woman. She built this, this room on top of her house for the prophet. She fed him. She took care of him as he passed through. And the prophet said to his servant, what can I do for this Shunammite woman? She told him, nothing, I'm fine, I don't need anything. But she had no children. Her husband was old and getting ready to die. She had no hope for her future. And the prophet said to her, this time next year, you're going to have a son. This time next year, you're going to be holding a baby. You know what she said? Don't you go getting my hopes up. Don't you go giving me hope because I've learned to live without it. I've learned to be content and just live my life and just say it's good enough. Are you here this morning and maybe you've lost hope? Maybe you've given up on a family member. Maybe you've given up on your marriage. Maybe you've given up on a dream. I'm here to tell you, set in. Don't give up. Because it ain't over yet. I want to tell you my story. Pastor Stephen said I was born a preacher's kid in ministry really all my life, not just since the age of 17, because if you're a preacher's kid, your kids could attest to this. They are in ministry. They're here every time the doors open because mom and dad are. We were in ministry my whole life at age of 17. I went on the mission field. I went to the Fiji Islands, and I won't say the other islands because then you'll say, what kind of mission was that? You know, I went to training with youth at the mission in Hawaii, Kona, Hawaii. <laughs> um, I came home and went on staff with, uh, you know, after six months at my dad's church and was trained in ministry. I had a great husband. I met him when I came home from YWAM, and we served in ministry together. We were launched from my dad's church, and we ended up in Texarkana, Texas. Three wonderful kids. You'll meet my son and my daughter-in-law and my almost first grandbaby. No, he's, he's here. He'll be here this morning. He just hasn't made his debut yet. Yeah, my daughter-in-law's due in three weeks. Oh, that's next service. Sorry. You won't get to meet them. But um, raising three beautiful children, a great church in Texarkana. Life was good. Everything I had hoped for, I was living. And one day, it was Christmas time, and my nurse, my doctor's uh, nurse called me and said, the doctor wants to see you today. I said, I'm putting on a Christmas party for my staff, and they're coming over to my house for dessert after lunch, and I'm, I don't have time. No, he wants to see you today. Well, you know when your nurse calls you and says, we want to see you today, that's not good. And I remember looking at my husband that morning and saying, will you go with me? They want to see me. And I said to the nurse, I can't be there till after 3. She says, that's okay. We'll wait for you. You come. 
and we get ushered into the doctor's office, and he said, you have cancer. First thing out of his mouth, you have cancer. And I went, so I was getting ready in January to go to Thailand. I do a lot of missions work. And then I was heading to the Philippines. I had a trip planned in March to uh, Haiti for a women's conference. And I, my, my schedule was all booked up. I was, had mission trips. I had teams planning to go with me. And he said some words like mastectomy, chemo, radiation. And I remember just sitting there stunned, and I didn't hear anything else he said. When he said those words, it was like I'd checked out. And we leave his office. My husband's in shock. I'm in shock. And he takes me in his arms in the parking lot. And he said to me, Linnell, you are more than just a boob. And whenever I said it in my church, he'd say, dot com. He said, we're going to get through this. We didn't know how. I had a 13-year-old daughter at the time. I didn't want to tell her. I probably made the mistake. I didn't really want to tell her the seriousness of it. We didn't really know at that moment. But I made the mistake of calling my dad and telling my dad. And, of course, what does he do? He sends emails around the world. I thought at the time it was a mistake because it became public knowledge before I told my kids and but I had people praying for me and and then I told my sister and what did she do she got on Facebook again the word is spreading I hadn't told my church you know and we were thinking we were going to wait to tell the church but we couldn't because the word was out we had to tell them and Rebecca's going mama do you have cancer and I'm going well honey we, we we're still figuring this out we're not sure what's going on I got to see a surgeon I gotta and we're trying to figure out and it's Christmas time and my whole family we're all going to be together at Christmas and I'm thinking I may not even get to have Christmas with my family what's going to happen and and I was afraid. The first thing that happened was fear tried to define me. Fear gripped my heart. Fear of the future. Fear that, that the life I knew was being ripped away from me. I, you know, I can't say that I was afraid I was going to die so much. Because I really, as a Christian, I know that death is to be with the Lord. But I was afraid to leave the life that I knew. I was afraid that maybe my husband wouldn't love me. I was afraid that people in my church would judge me and say, oh, the curse of God is on her. Or if she just had enough faith, this wouldn't have happened. Fear tried to grip my heart. Not only fear, but shame. If I had been a better Christian, what have I done wrong? These were all lies from the pit of hell, but that's what came against me. Shame tried to define me. Grief tried to define me. Grieving over the life I was losing. Grieving over having to cancel my mission trips. Grieving over the unknown. But let me tell you, instead of giving in to the feelings, I got mad. I didn't get mad at God. I didn't get mad at the doctor. I didn't even get mad at the cancer. I got mad at the enemy of my soul who was trying to shut me down and silence my voice. And so I decided that he had messed with the wrong person. I decided I was going to win and he was going to lose. So I started 
a blog immediately called more than just a boob dot that's, that's why my husband always did the dot-com. I started a blog. I started writing articles for our local magazine. I started reaching out to others in a prayer list of those going through cancer. In the midst of Christmas, in the midst of being scheduled January 2nd for a mastectomy, in the midst of being told I'd have a year and a half of chemo and radiation, I was going to lose my hair. I decided I was fighting back. I wasn't going to lay down and let the enemy win. I canceled my trips. I didn't go to Thailand. I didn't go to the Philippines. I didn't go to Haiti. But I have to admit, about halfway through my treatment, when August came, snuck out to Haiti to dedicate the church in uh, Port-au-Prince that I believed, prophesied, and prayed in, you know, for years that they would have it. I did sneak out for Haiti, and then I snuck out for Mexico, and then I did go to Thailand and the Philippines in the midst of treatment. But I fought back, and I told women around the world, you are more than your what is on the outside of you. You are more than that. You are precious in the sight of God. And I fought and I won. I want to tell you about Joseph. Joseph was a young man that had a dream. He had a big dream. He dreamt that all these people, including his brothers, were going to bow down to him. And Joseph had this dream and his brothers were jealous. His brothers were angry at him. They were like, who are you? And not only were they jealous and angry because he was a dreamer, they were jealous and angry of him because he was his father's favorite son. Oh, one question I didn't ask. Why does the enemy fight Christians so hard? Do you know the answer to that? Because he realizes that there is power resident inside each and every one of us that can change the world. And if he, he's a bully. The enemy, I mean, I don't want to talk about him much, but he is a bully. He tries to silence Christian voices around the world. We are very involved with people that are being martyred around the world, helping rescue, set up rescue houses, helping send laborers in to go rescue Christians that are being uh, martyred for their faith. We, he is a bully, but he's a bully here in America trying to silence our voices. He's trying to tell Christians to shut up and, and keep your religion private. Keep your faith private. He's a bully because he knows there's power within us. So turn with me, and we're going to look at the story of Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 18. The story starts here where Joseph told his brothers a dream. They've gone out to pasture their father's flocks, and their dad sends Joseph to them. And when they see him coming in the distance, they recognized him. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. Come on, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. If you keep reading this story, you'll find out they didn't kill him. They just sold him into slavery. And here Joseph, a young teenage boy, being sold into slavery, leaving everything that was familiar to him, leaving his father, leaving the wealth behind of his family, and he's headed on a path to Egypt. But God. Can you say that? But God. But God was with him. 
Look in chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything. From that day forward, Joseph was put in charge of Potiphar's house. Can I tell you something? If Joseph had been pouting, if he had been angry, if he had just been, I don't deserve to be here, I don't like being here, I don't, I don't know why I'm here, I've done nothing wrong. If he had had that kind of attitude, he would never have risen in favor with Potiphar. He would never have risen in a position. He would have never had favor with Potiphar or favor with God. But because Joseph chose in the midst of the worst circumstances he had ever been in to serve God, to love God, to hope in God, to trust in God. It says that God was with them and he raised them up to be ruler in Potiphar's house. I want to play a, a little bit of a song for you. It's a little cheesy, but I think it tells our story. It ain't over yet. And that's what Joseph did. That's what I chose to do. Can I tell you the but God in my situation? I was um, in August before I was diagnosed with cancer at Christmas. I was in South Africa. I was doing a women's conference, had never been there before. And that one of the, uh, the other speaker that was with me had never met her. She was a surgeon in Dallas. And so we had exchanged phone numbers before we left. She was telling me what she was feeling God was giving her. I was telling her what I was feeling God was giving me. We meet in South Africa. Her name was Dr. Sally Knox. And I um, had her cell phone number in my phone. And, and all I knew is that she was a surgeon in Dallas. Well, when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I decided to go to Baylor, and one of my ladies in my church said, oh, let me tell you about my surgeon. Her name was Dr. Sally Knox. God set me up in August with a link to Baylor, with a surgeon that specialized in my type of cancer. He was taking care of me. Can I tell you, no matter what you face, God is right there. He is taking care of you. He is sending people in your direction and surrounding you to help lead you in the right direction, to help get you the care you needed. Dr. Sally Knox was a phone call away, literally. How many have the phone number of their surgeon? Private phone number. Well, you know, the story of Joseph wasn't over. He was doing good. He kept moving. He kept walking. He kept serving God. But there was a Mrs. Potiphar. And if you read the story, Mrs. Potiphar liked Joseph. He was a good-looking, buff young man. And she wanted him to sleep with her. 
He, she kept trying to trap him, and one day he was in the house doing his job. She was alone. She grabs his robe and says, come sleep with me. He, he, he pulls off his robe and runs out of the house, and she accuses him of trying to rape her. Joseph gets thrown into prison. So rather than, after having done good, after having believed God, after having hoped in God, Rather than getting promoted and let go and set free, he gets put in prison. And the scripture says in verse uh, 21 of chapter 39, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, showed him his faithful love. The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. And the warden put Joseph in charge of everything. He didn't have to worry about anything, the scripture says, because Joseph took care of everything. Did Joseph get up and quit? Did he lose his hope? Did he get mad? Did he get sullen? Did he get angry? No. He kept moving. He kept walking. He kept doing good. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Galatians 6, 9. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Why? At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working unto the Lord. Listen to Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him, how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you what? Hope for will come true. Did you know that often because we lose hope, because we give up and quit, because we, keep, we stop moving, we stop walking, we stop doing good, that it's because of our choice that the promise is never fulfilled. We give up right before the fulfillment of the promise. Joseph had a right to give up when he was thrown in the pit. He had a right to give up when he was sold into slavery. He for sure had a right to give up in Potiphar's house, but he didn't. He didn't. He kept moving. He kept walking. He kept doing good. The Lord will be with you wherever you're at. I want to quickly tell a little bit about my, she's a 17-year-old daughter. She loves your pastors. She was 13 when I was diagnosed with cancer. She got angry with God. She withdrew from us. She hid in her room when she'd get home from school. She was closed down, shut down. I was going through cancer, you know, I had that surgery and then started chemo, and it was all I could do to survive, and I didn't know how to reach her. And she was mad at God, but they had a Be the One conference in Texarkana, and they were, we made her go, we're good parents, we made her go, (laughs) and she went, and that night, she went up for prayer. I can't answer, you know, that was the Holy Spirit because at the time she wasn't letting anyone pray for her. And she went up for prayer. 
and she was talking to the, pr- the young girl. I don't know who it was, some teenager, young adult, praying for her. She says, you go home tonight. You pick a psalm, any psalm, and read it. That night, she went home, and she read Psalms. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's Psalms 56, and if I can't find it. And it said, I have seen every one of your tears. And she said, God, you know what I'm going through. My mom has served you all of her life. My mom's loved you all of her life. Why did you let this happen? And as she read through that Psalms 56, it spoke to her. It ministered to her. She turned around. Then she started giving her testimony. She stood between 5,000 and before 5,000 students in a, st- in a football field. In the, and she gave her testimony about God is with you, whatever you're going through. You got to keep moving. You got to keep walking. You can't give up your hope. And the last thing I want to tell you is set in and hold on. Play that song. We're running out of time, so I'm going to stop that song. But you have to hold on. You have to get a fresh grip. See if I can't find that scripture real quick. Get a fresh grip. Hang on to those promises. Hold on, because the Lord ain't finished yet. Let me read this last verse, Psalms 105:19. Am I I'm supposed to be done in just two minutes? I'm good. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, Psalms 105:19. the Lord tested Joseph's character until the time came. Did you know there's a time for everything? We just want instant pudding, instant popcorn, instant miracle, instant. But sometimes we just have to wait and hold on. We have to set in and say, God promised me. God promised me that I was going to be healed. I knew that. I didn't want to go through cancer treatment. I didn't want to have surgery. I wanted my miracle right now. And you know what God told me? He said, walk with me through this. God, that's not what I wanted to hear. That wasn't the word I wanted. Healed, I knew. I knew I was going to be healed. But I had to walk with him through it. You know the problem with having a spirit-filled doctor? I remember one morning going to my doctor saying, it, my, my appointments were in Dallas three hours away, and, my, and I was saying, I'm through. I was going to go tell her, I've done what God's asked me to do. I have gone through a year of treatment. I'm through. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm healed. I'm well. I'm ready to get my life back. You know what she said as soon as I walked in her office? God woke me up this morning, and he told me to tell you, stay the course. Set in. Hold on. I didn't give up. I didn't quit. I didn't get mad at God. 
I chose to move, to keep walking. I chose to hold on. I chose to believe that my God was faithful. My God was able. You know, it was 10 more years before Joseph got to see his family. The story goes on about Joseph. He told, interpreted the dreams for the butler and said, don't forget me in the baker. Don't forget me. Tell, tell Pharaoh that I'm in jail. They forgot about him. Then three years later, he, they remember and they get Pharaoh and he gets in and he becomes the ruler next to Pharaoh, but he still didn't see his daddy. He still wasn't united with his family. Ten years. But you know what he did every day? He got up, kept doing good, kept moving, kept believing, kept trusting God, kept his attitude right. He kept holding on to that faith and that promise, that hope. He didn't give up. I want to ask you if you're here this morning and you felt like God's let you down. You felt like a dream you had, situation in your life didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. And you're angry, you're hurt, you've lost hope. I want to pray with you this morning because I want to tell you God is good. God is faithful. God keeps his promises. And if you don't give up, if you don't quit, if you don't walk away, if you hold on to God, he will walk you through this. He will get you to the other side. And on the other side of our valley of the shadow of death, on our other side of our tribulation and trial is rich blessing, fulfillment. He will comfort you during this time. He will encourage you and strengthen you this time. It's not an accident God sent me here to tell you. Set in, because it ain't over yet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab on the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.